latest edition of the GB Active podcast where we get to know people in and around the sports and health and fitness industry. I'm again joined by GB Active founder and owner Patrick. How are you doing? Not bad, Phil. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. What have you been up to since last time we spoke? Uh, it's been quite a sporting weekend. Yeah, it's been pretty sporting weekend. Um, it's been a while. Um, we had our second kayaking session with John Boyton. How that going? Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, let's say it went all right. Uh, fell in twice again. Again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Um, well, we actually went in an actual spring kayak. Um, it's actually a lot harder, actually. Um, okay. You had to literally steer the boat with your feet as well as paddling. Right. So you had a rudder and you want to move your feet. And they were a lot thinner. So I'm just going and uh, I was sort of paddling and I sort of couldn't quite steer. I went crashing into a boat and fell in. Okay. Which was, which was all good, all part of the fun. It's John thought good. it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, played a round of golf on Saturday. Do you want to tell uh, well, yeah, no. Just no. <laughs> to be honest, it's, it's more like a scavenger hunt trying to find my ball and everything else. But yeah, it was good. It was uh, it was good. It was good to get out there. I haven't played for a while. But yeah, it's been a sporting weekend, trying to keep active, you know, which is what we're all about. Good. And there's um, plenty of spot on TV at the minute. The World Cup started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been some interesting games, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, last... Yes, Brazil was quite a surprise, wasn't it? And uh, Germany, well, yeah, I didn't really see that one coming, actually. Yeah. Uh, they, they seem a bit all over the place at the moment. But um, it's quite we're nice... We're recording this in the morning before England play, so... Yeah, well, I'm not going <laughs> to jinx anything on that. I'm just going to... I am not going to say anything about that. I'm just keeping my mouth shut on that one because um, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Um, but good luck to them, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and where are we today? Uh, we are in. We're doing our tour of the southeast again. We are. I like yeah. it. It's nice around the southeast, isn't yeah. it? Um, we are in Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Hayes and Kent. Hayes. Apart from it's the one in Kent. Not, no, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a very good cricket club. Yeah. Uh, that's all. That's, that's pretty much you know. <laughs> yeah. Which leads us very nicely yeah. to our guest today. Yeah. Um, Anyone who's listened to this podcast in the past will um, have no doubt about my love and passion for cricket. I'm really excited about today's guest. We have got somebody who has represented England, tuned in 25 times over a 13-year career, um, has won two World Cricket World Cups and four, maybe five, Ashes series. We're not quite sure. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Lydia Greenwood. Thank you. Thank you so How much are you? Having me. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Do you want to talk about the four or five? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's quite embarrassing actually because uh, on a lot of websites I think it says four. I recently got told the other day that it was five, and this was through a conversation with Charlotte Edwards, who has also got five Ashes wins to her name. So we figured out actually we played all of our careers together. So I must have five. She's, well. five. Yeah. She's got five. I've got five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'll do. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Get that in the certificate. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, we're really into talking today because we know um, what an advocate you've been for the game in, in Britain, which is, or in England particularly, which is thriving at the minute for girls. Um, and we know that you helped set up the women's cricket section of the local cricket club in Hayes. So do you want to talk us through how your love of cricket started and how you got playing and where it went from there? Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I started at my local cricket club. Which, as you mentioned, was Hayes, and that was very much through family influence. So, my dad played up at the cricket club, um, my brother and sister both played, and then my mum on occasions also played. So, we sort of grew up playing cricket in the back garden, watching him up at the cricket club, um, trying to 
um, I guess mimic what he did in the nets on the sidelines and then played from there really. Played all of my cricket growing up with was with boys um, because we didn't have the opportunity to play um, any sort of girls cricket at that time. Um, and actually that probably helped in, in my development playing, playing boys and then men's cricket for that early part of my career. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it became quite successful, didn't it, the women's section that you, uh, you helped with? Yeah, it did. So we, um, so because obviously I was playing with the boys, it became clear that a lot of other girls who wanted to play but didn't necessarily want to play with the boys, yeah. um, they, we wanted to play together as a team. So that's where myself, my sister and a very good friend of mine, um, Lindsay, we, we said, OK, well, let's set up our own girls' team. So we did that, we got a few of our, our school friends in. Um, at times we had, as I mentioned earlier, my mum playing, my godmother was playing. Um, and so in those early stages, it was very much just about trying to provide an opportunity for girls to play because there wasn't any other opportunity at that time. We didn't have it at school. Um, and so it was about us trying to, to create it ourselves. So, I think our first game we bowled the opposition out for 30 runs um, nice. and we thought we did brilliantly but then we got bowled out for 25 so um, <laughs> oh, yeah. no. thought I was the best How difficult was it to find opposition teams to play for? Was there a league structure at the time? Or? Um, no, we, well, we had to travel a lot so uh, probably the nearest games that we would have would be around an hour. Um, and then in terms, because there wasn't that much opposition, the challenge was ensuring that the teams were evenly matched. Um, okay. And often as a 13, 14 year old, you'd be turning up to a game and there'd be great women playing. Yeah. Um, and so for a lot of young girls, that could have been quite daunting, you know, playing hard, hard cricket. So I think at that time, the structure wasn't necessarily there to cater for all ages and abilities. It was just a case of, We've got 11 players. We give you a game, and so we, we, you know, we didn't really care who we played. Yeah. Um, but there were certainly mismatches at times. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so, how did you um, recruit the players? Like getting, because obviously, part about is. Uh, sometimes barriers are trying to get people to try something new yeah. and sometimes that people not sometimes want to get out of their comfort zone and try something different so how did you get people to try something different something new get them into um, it I think we tried to make it as welcoming as possible yeah. so um, a lot of the girls who joined the club were our school friends mm. and they had never played before but I think because we said oh just come along and give it a go you'll be yeah. fine it breaks down that barrier because I think for a young girl going to a cricket club or any sports club for the first time it can be quite daunting because you you turn up in an environment where you don't really know anyone and but because they had the, the familiar face of myself and my sister yeah we sort of broke that barrier yeah. down for them yeah, and it's also the fact it's also probably quite nice that if you drop a catch, no one starts yelling at you. You know, you're just like, yeah, don't worry about. It. So I've I played a couple of teams sometimes when you drop it and they look at you and they get really, really angry yeah. and you're like, well, you know, I've just walked into your team. You know, <laughs> they're yeah. a bit yeah. nervous for the first time. Um, it's always that sort of community of helping people out. I mean, I've dropped some sitters in my life and uh, yeah. and I, yeah, they've just been quite good about it. Of course, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that? 
it's almost a bit of determination that I'm going to set up this section, I'm going to, I'm going to make this better. Do you think that helped you later on in your career? You've always had that bit of steeliness almost, and I'm going to get through it? Yeah, possibly. I think, yeah, I guess the fact that we went out and sought players and, and got that together, I think, you know, we were very lucky that we had support of our parents as well, and that was the same. We had, there was another parent um, who, who helped, and and I guess that comes down to volunteers within sport that, you know, you still need those people. But I guess going back to what you mentioned about the steeliness, I think um, a big part of what helped me develop that was playing boys cricket, if I'm honest. So, okay. um, you know, I think as an, an only girl in a boys team turning up to a position ground and the parents look at you and they think, what on earth is this girl doing here? You get given out by umpires when you're not out. And so I think being in that sort of environment, I think, helped a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that possibly had an impact on why we then said, okay, well, let's set up our own team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And what was the pathway from there, obviously, um, in the boys and men's game, there's a, path, there's a structure to go through to county cricket and then if you're really good, make it that level. What was your pathway then to making it to the elite, if you like? Yeah, I mean, at the time, there was, it's similar to what it is now in that there's always, um, or often, selectors and talent scouts around the game. So at club cricket, you get put forward to county trials so at that time I then started playing for Kent under 11s and worked my way up through the age group so as soon as you're in that county program that's when you're exposed to talent scouts coming to watch you so um, I remember I think I made a few good scores so a few people came to, to look at me and then at the age of 14 I made my debut for the Kent senior women team and then from there you're then further exposed to selectors who have got more power in terms of putting you in or fast tracking yeah. you to the England setup. So so that was sort of the path that I I had been So it's quite a young age almost the England setup over took the Kent setup in younger Albin. And I'm alright thinking you were a teenager when you made your debut for me. And it was in Australia. Yes. yes. Really? Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah. Oh, so do you, do you want to talk us through how you found out you play for England and then what that was like? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, um, I was picked for England when I was 17. Um, I played. I was playing for the England age groups from age 14. Um, and I, I think it was 2003, January time. And we were actually out in Australia for the England Under 21 Women's Tour. So we were out there and we played in their state tournament, um, which was held in um, Canberra. Not much going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, obviously that was a fantastic opportunity yeah. to, to be there. And, and actually the tour ended and then flew back to England. Um, and 24 hours later the phone went and it was the England manager. And she said, oh, how, are you, how are you doing? And I said, oh yeah, fine, thanks. And I thought she was just calling up and saying, asked me how the tour went with the yeah. England under 21s. Um, and she just said, oh, actually, we'd really like you to get back on the plane and fly back out to Australia <laughs> to meet up with the senior team. How annoyed were you at that point? Pardon? How annoyed were you at that point? I wasn't annoyed at all. Yeah. Was, um, Even though you'd flown all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably still delirious, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously I was delighted and um, it meant I had to miss a bit of school. Um, yeah. I, was, I think I was doing high levels. Something like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that was my journey, sort of, to make my debut. So played for um, for the senior team at the Gabba in Australia. Oh, wow, so, that'd uh, been amazing. Good experience. What, yeah. what was that like walking out? Uh, yeah, it was amazing. I, mean, I just remember it was, it was 
bit like a coliseum really, um, the Gabba, um, and it was at a time where women's cricket wasn't really that, you know, it wasn't in the public eye, so there were probably ten people and a, a dog watching it, um, <laughs> but you know, nevertheless it was an amazing experience, it was a test match actually, so, um, and that was at a time where Australia were pretty dominant, yeah, so yeah, yeah. we won't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we will skip that. But, um, <laughs> So, so, just touching, you said you were uh, doing your A levels at the time, actually, which is just what's quite kind of interesting. So, you're playing cricket for England and you had your A levels. How did you sort of manage to do both? Um, I don't think I did. If oh, really? <laughs> 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 no, I think I was very lucky. I went to um, well, Hay School just up the road, yeah. and there uh, it's a state school. and the, the thing that made it special is the PE teachers there. I think they were just really supportive in, in what I was trying to do. And then I think with that, they were able to influence the academic teachers. Yeah. So they gave me, um, they extended deadlines for me and things yeah. like that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm the most academic person, but I managed to walk away with Ayla. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's all I wanted to do, just to make sure I had something, yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, uh, yeah. Pear shape. No, 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 I'm sure. <laughs> um, you mentioned you made your debut in a test match, and um, I mentioned earlier you've played over 220 times again for England, but it's across all three formats, it's a bit of a conversation at the moment. How did you, did you have a favourite? How did you adapt between the three different ones? The T20 probably came in about seven or eight years after the start of your career, did it? So yeah. How did yeah. you find that to start with? And yeah, I mean, it was really challenging. I think as a batter, I enjoyed the longer format of the game because you could have time to get yourself yeah. in and build an innings and those sorts of things. But um, I think you have to be quite disciplined as well in that longer format of the game. And so when the 2020 format was introduced, it was a real turning point, I think, for the women's game because you got to express yourself a bit more and, yeah. and you weren't, um, I guess, reprimanded if you got out trying to be too attacking because that was the very nature of the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, towards the back end of my career, um, I'd always say 2020 was my favourite version. It's the shortest as well, so. Yeah. <laughs> I find it, I one thing I love about cricket, and what I find fascinating about cricket as well, it's it's a team game but it's very much an individual game as well yeah. so it's like normally when you like play you know football stuff you all yeah. work as a team and it's pretty much how you team gel together but in cricket you, you still the team has to gel together but at the same time when you're batting or bowling it's very much the onus is on you yeah. so it's like you've got to sort of it's just one of those games which is compared to other sports the battle, the battle of each yeah. and it's yeah. just like and then as obviously as a captain as well you know been on the field for you know, uh, several hours yeah. thinking of how to deal and tactics. It's, it's yeah. mentally, it must be really, really challenging. Right? Yeah, so. it is, and I think I always used to enjoy being that part of that team, and the individual part. I always looked at it that if I do well, I'm contributing to the team, and so your performance is always um, geared up to doing good things for the team. But I think the hardest thing is when you're on an away tour. It can be at times quite isolating if you're not performing well because. Obviously, you've got your disappointment in yourself and you're, you're letting yourself down, but the worst part is you're letting your teammates down as well. Yeah. So we used to have um, a saying which was called respect the roller coaster. So when we were on tour, it's like everyone's on this ride, yeah. where, but everyone's on different parts of the ride at different times. Yeah. So someone's just scored 100, they're at the top of the roller coaster about to enjoy the best part of the yeah. ride. But then their roommate might be someone who's gone three games without getting a score yeah. under their yeah, belt. Yeah, yeah. I think that's quite a hard situation 
to often be aware of um, yeah. as a player as well. And how do you so it's how do you bat? So obviously, if you're on on the downward roller coaster and you're not hitting the, uh, the runs, or you say you keep on getting into the thirties and not quite getting the fifties, how do you? pick yourself up and how do you keep going because a lot of the battle is is trying to stay motivated and trying to keep staying the course and it's yeah. like the same with exercise people give up sometimes a bit too easy trying to stay with that motivation so what tips yeah. would you for yourself what do you say to yourself and how do you um, I used to just look back on performances where I performed well yeah. um, I used to just do that from memory recall and you know how I felt and you know what I did well and, and try and implement those things. Um, I think a lot of mental rehearsal helps as well, yeah. so without getting too psyche, um, actually imagining yourself doing well as well and, yeah. and what it would feel like. Um, so I used to go out for every game, I used to go out to the wicket and stand how I would in my batting position and just imagine a bowler coming in and actually just mirroring shots yeah. that I would want to play in the game. Yeah. Um, I think there's a bit of research that says that that is then reinforced in your muscles and things like yeah. that. So, um, yeah, lots of imagery. It's interesting because I did a well, at uni. I did a dissertation. It's about Bandura self-efficacy, and it's basically the imagery technique. And I think they were saying like Tiger Woods, for instance, in golf, he pitches the perfect golf swing, and he literally okay. just pitches it, and that's his perfect, and that's yeah. what motivates him to do it right every time. I'm not sure how well it's going at the moment, but <laughs> but but that was so, so yeah. it's just interesting you yeah. brought that up. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah. So you briefly mentioned about being on tour as well, you went for a long period of time. From the outside it looks like there's a really good atmosphere in the women's team, I'm sure it's not always the case, but what's it like being away for so long with being on tour and how do you manage the dynamics of the teams? Yeah, I mean it's the best experience that you can have as a sports person being on tour. Um, you know, you're in amazing countries and often you're with some of your really good friends as well. So, you know, I've had loads of positive experience because of that, because of being in that environment. But like you say, it doesn't always go to plan. And I think that's where you spend a lot of time with the same people day in, day out, that you have to be, I guess, quite emotionally intelligent to try and deal yeah. with the situations that you're in. And at times it can be isolating. I think, you know, you're in a hotel room, you're on the bus, you're then flying somewhere else, especially if you're in a place like India or Bangladesh, where these days the security is quite high, so you're not even allowed out of the hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if you're a player and you're struggling, um, sometimes you just need time to get out and about and see yeah, things, but if you can't do that. do that, you'll type, yeah, yeah. Sort of claustrophobic, yeah, yeah. you can see that. Um, yeah, it's been pretty horrible. But I think the pros, you know, the positive that way, the Okay, so to come into another sort of subject, really important part of your career is fitness. How much of a part did um, keeping fit play in your career? Um, it's quite a long career, 13 years. Um, how much fitness work did you integrate with actually practicing cricket? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly towards the back end of my career when we got made fully professional in 2014. Now, um, it, there was a huge shift in the emphasis that was placed on your physical um, fitness, and so I, I, you know, we'd be doing, we'd be in the gym doing weights three times a week at least, 
um, and then on top of that you've got your interval training sessions on feet running um, and then you have your longer cardio sessions as well so you're probably looking at six physical sessions a week and then on top of that you would have your cricket sessions where you might have two one-to-ones a week and then another couple of days with the team all training together so it was pretty intense um, but as we've seen cricket's a game which has developed so much that actually you have to be strong you have to be fast you have to be able to repeat the same skills under pressure for long periods of time so um, there's certainly much more emphasis on it yeah, I was going to say, from the far, there was certain individuals I know that fitness wasn't quite uh, in the past. I won't yeah. mention any names, but yeah. And, and you mentioned that <coughs> later in your career, like the women's game became professional, but you, as, a, as a game overall, that's changed, hasn't it, quite a lot from how it was in the, say, the 70s and 80s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I really used to have one of our coaches who worked with us for a bit, a guy called Jack Birkinshaw. He used to play for England. Okay. He'd be in his 70s now and he was telling us stories when they used to play. They'd have, um, at drinks, they'd have um, like Coke or whatever. They wouldn't have water or energy yeah. drinks. And yeah. when they had lunch, they'd have you know a pint of bitter with it or something. Yeah. So it's changed a huge amount. Um, I've always just, I've always meaning to ask this question. <clears throat> so every time, you know, I, so I'm, I'm a member of Lords, so I go to Lords, and every time and during the warm up, they're either playing football or the Aussies are playing. <laughs> what, what, what's the purpose? I mean, I understand it's like running around, kicking, but why, why football and why ball sports? You know, obviously Glenn McGrath hurt his ankle yeah. in one of the Ashes playing. You know, I always think it's quite a dangerous thing to do before for starting play. Yeah. So I'm just curious on why. I think as a player it's nice, it just gets you going a bit rather than just running up and down getting yourself warm. I think as a competitive group of people they want to have something which you know engages their brain as well as them themselves physically and I think football's a game, we still play it with our women at Kent yeah. um, with the women's team and you know, they just love it and yeah. I think it's just more than anything it engages their brain and um, you know starts getting those competitive juices flowing. I think Bearstow did some great saves. I think Jordan Pickford's got some uh, <laughs> got some competition because Bearstow was flying. <laughs> um, to move your career on a little bit, you retired in 2016. Um, what point did you make that decision? What was what pushed that? Because you did have a World Cup for a year later at home. Yeah. yeah. I met you at that point, and I think you said that was the first time you regretted retiring. You did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, obviously I was at the World Cup final and looking on and, and seeing a lot of my good friends go on to win that World Cup, which was fantastic, but also bittersweet as well, because it's one of those moments that, as a player, you want to be involved in. Um, but yeah, I guess leading in t- up to my retirement, um, it would have been, I was thinking about it for a couple of years prior to it, I think. There are a few factors um, that I think contribute to you making those decisions and some of them are off on the pitch and off the pitch as well. So we had a few changes in coaches coming in um, and as well as that I probably wasn't performing as I would have liked. Um, and I think, you know, because we were only just made professional it we're never in a financial position where we can stop playing and, and not have to think about another career. So I was in my, I think I was 30 at the time, and I, I was well aware that once I retired, I had to start another career again effectively. So I think all those things contributed to me choosing to retire. And I think it probably did come down to not enjoying it as much as I, I should have been as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah. which is really important. It's really important, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> You've got to enjoy what you do, definitely. So as we um, <clears throat> were recording this in June 2018, <laughs> but um, hopefully when you, the listeners are listening, it's going to be like a year on from the Women's World Cup win. Um, it was phenomenal, wasn't it? It was, um, again, that's where we first met, and it was a packed Lord's Day, and it was, I think it was one of my favourite sporting events of so the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. It's um yeah, it was just an amazing day really. I didn't realise how much of an impact it had when we were actually there and and but then afterwards, the days and weeks afterwards you saw, you know, suddenly people overnight had become England women's cricket fans and young girls were wanting to be the next head of night, Nat Siva. And they would have known their names before going into the Can game. I tell you my favourite moment from that day? Was <laughs> yeah. I got off the train at St John's Wood and we're walking down towards the ground. And I can't remember the name of the road, but there's a, a road on the left and there's a Tesco's. Yes, oh, yes I know. Yes. Yes. And yeah, we yeah. stopped outside and a few people were stocking up and drinks. And yeah. There was a girl of about seven or eight walking down the road yeah. and she was air bowling. Oh, and really? This is it. We've yeah, done yeah, it. We've yeah, made yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, they, I think there was 125 million people around the world watched it. Wow. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. around. I think it helped having India in the final as well, yeah. just because yeah. of how yeah. you know prominent, dominant they are in in the women's game. Well, it's like a religion out there as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, it yeah. is. The only thing is, I think I was speaking to um, one of the members of staff at Lords, and they said the bar takings were as low as they would have ever really? been for a, really? for a packed out ground. Right. And I think that's like a couple of factors because. Obviously, everyone was watching the game. Because I tried my best to make up for it. But I think yeah. because people were just absolutely gripped by the game, they didn't yeah. care about yeah. getting another yeah. And yeah. I think also there were a different type of people watching. There were young families That's it. watching yeah. the game. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so you found that quite interesting. Yeah. Where we, where we went to the test match at... It's the England v Pakistan. We didn't speak about that yet, no. And then that that didn't go very well. Yeah, I think so. The bar takings must have. I think went very high that that day. Yeah, it's just like it really did go very high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So since retiring, you've started cricket for girls, which is I think is a fascinating project. Do you want to talk us through what that is and is it interesting the ethos that you have? Yeah. Yeah. So. Set cricket for girls up quite soon after I retired, and that was off the back of throughout my playing career. I'd always coached in schools and things like that. And so, um, what, what I realised is with young girls, they, they need female role models, um, and I think now they're getting them more on the television, on the radio, and things like that. But what they haven't got is at the grassroots level and um, those female role models. I think there's a lot of male coaches, which I think is brilliant, and there's some really good male coaches out there. But I think the young girls who are trying to get into cricket, the one thing that will help make that easier is if they have a female coach delivering their cricket in schools. So our programme is based around um, we place female coaches in regions around England, and they would work in a number of different schools in that area and help schools. Because another big thing is that Browns has been taken off the curriculum at GCFC level in schools. So suddenly they're having to turn to another strike and a building game, which naturally, well, I say naturally, is cricket. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're helping schools make that change as well. And, and part of that means training the teachers to then yeah. deliver it. So um, in a nutshell, that's what we're trying to do. But the biggest thing is just trying to inspire young girls um, you know, when it comes to cricket. Yeah, and you have this uh, ethos of empowerment, 
that you really interested me, you told me quite a while ago. So do you want to talk through that and where that's come from? And... Yeah, I think it's trying to, to give girls an experience that um, makes them see there shouldn't be any limits on what they want to achieve. So, for example, them playing cricket and giving something a go, which they might think is a male-dominated sport, and yeah. they actually might have success in it. Through that experience, they might then say, actually, I want to go on and do engineering at a university, because yeah. they've yeah. had that experience of not things shouldn't be gender-specific. Um, and I think if we can give them that sort of experience through cricket, then outside of whatever they're doing, you know, when they go to university or to work, and they shouldn't be put off by things, having a label, um, and, you know, hopefully, as you say, empowering them to go out and achieve whatever they want to. Absolutely, I, yeah, I completely echo that, completely. Um, and I think uh, it is, sport has uh, a massive sort of power, it's partly why we set up this as well, it's what professionals like yourself and show to everybody else and what you can do you put your mind to it and achieve because um, like some of the our af- uh, athletes uh, one studying to be a physiotherapist while competing so he's yeah. obviously going to be in the wing once did engineering at university so they obviously got some sort of backup plan afterwards yeah. when their career's yeah. over but it's also just that mentality they base it all around what they're doing yeah. and it's that mentality they enjoy what they do um, and they do what they have to do in yeah. order to where they yeah. want to be and I think that's part of the problem over this here. I think we just need to change that mentality of just like, and I think in any sport, it's like in, I think in like in football, cricket, or something. It's there's that mentality. If you say you look at football, like Germany didn't do great yesterday, but they have that mentality. They were discussing it yesterday, where they just have that focus of just constantly. They just do it, do it. You yeah. know, they drilled into it. It's that motivation, that way of doing things, and I just think it here we just need to bring that more so we've got some incredibly talented people it's just getting yeah. that all together yeah. I think one thing that's really good within England is the This Girl Can campaign yeah, um, yeah, just yeah. in terms of getting females out yeah. and doing exercise and not thinking that because they're going to go for a run they have to be the next call of uh, yeah it's absolutely just, uh, they always say the hardest thing is getting up and getting out the door to yeah, do yeah absolutely which is a recurring theme yeah, most of these podcasts. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 And it's a recurring theme to what we do in our boot camps. You know, a lot of people want to exercise and the, the attention's there, they book on, but then they just don't quite, do, like I was saying, yeah. out of their comfort zone and push into that leap. It's yeah. just getting them to that leap and do it. And once they're there, after about three weeks, yeah. uh, you know, you get into that routine. It's like, boom, you're there. Yeah, yeah. Boom. yeah routine, that's a key yeah. thing. Yeah. Isn't it? Absolutely. So, um, one of our final questions where do you see the game going in England it's, it's changed unrecognisably in the last few years and there's a lot of talk of the men's game as well about how it's changing the shift away from, from um, first class and test cricket where do you think it'll go next um, I think I think we see a lot more I guess pop up franchise leagues around the world so we've seen the IPL in India the big bash over in England and then um, Australia sorry and then obviously the introduction of the 100 ball tournament over here in England yeah I've heard that um, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> I don't mind talking about it. I think, it's, um, <laughs> I think what's interesting is um, if we think back to when the T20 was walking, um, there was a lot of questioning about would it be successful, you know, and actually moving on it has been. I think the only thing about the 100 ball tournament for the women's game is that we've got the Keir Super League, which is our domestic yeah. T20 yeah. tournament. and. 
I think because the women's team will be aligned with the men's team for the 100 ball tournament, they might just miss out on having their own T20 league. And I think for England, being a little bit selfish, just want to see have they got enough T20 cricket within the domestic setup. Um, but you know, we have to keep an eye open mind with these things. Yeah. There's no danger of trying to do too much though that it's going to get overloaded of like fixtures and you know cause yeah I mean to be honest I don't I probably don't know enough about the ins and outs of how it will all work but I think the only thing is that if it is an exciting game then it is going to inspire yeah, sure. you know yeah. young players to, to take it up but I think you learn your trade as a cricketer by playing the longer format of the game in my opinion I think it's easier to get the foundations from playing the longer format of the game to then excel in the T20 yeah, yeah, version yeah, of the game yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think it's harder if you just start with T20 to suddenly go and play a four or five match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think that's the answer we all need to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we have one closing question that we ask all our guests. And I'm going to add a caveat into it. So the question is, the question is, what's the worst piece of sports kit you ever owned? You cannot nominate the yellow blazer. <laughs> and for anyone who didn't see it, William was on Sky Sports last week and wore a highly high tight yellow blazer. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm, I'm annoyed with myself for the keep the receipt. I got that much. Um, worst piece. Well, women's cricketers used to have to wear skirts to field in, so okay. surely yeah. that's got to be up there. Yeah, I think that's okay, one of our best answers. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no, not very yeah. at all. Well, thank you, Lily. Yeah, no, thank you very much, Thank you. Thank you.